my whole thing with do less is that if we can get the same result in fewer steps, that's generally a good thing. And I have a tendency to overcomplicate things. So it's been great because we don't have the team power right now for anything complicated. So we have to reach for the do less strategy. We became entrepreneurs because more than anything, we want freedom. We want to be in control of our own schedule, income, and life. But unfortunately, that isn't always the reality of being a business owner. I'm Gillian Perkins, and I'm on a mission to take back entrepreneurship for what it's supposed to be. In every episode, I'll share with you how to get the most out of every hour you work so that you can work less and earn more. Let's get to it. Hey there, everyone, and welcome back to Work Less, Earn More. Today, I am joined by Kate Northrup, who is the best-selling author of Do Less and the founder of Origin Collective, which is a membership for female entrepreneurs who want to grow their businesses while doing less. And I'm so excited to have Kate on the show today because she, first of all, her mission is just so aligned with the topic of this show. You know, the show is all about getting the most out of every hour that you work and not working too much. And that's what Kate is all about. I read her book about a year ago now, and I really enjoyed it. And it definitely helped to influence my my ideas on this topic, as well as really helped me to figure out some ways that I could work less in my business while still really reaching my big goals for my business. So I'm so honored to have her on the show today and to be able to tap into her wisdom just a little bit more, learn a little bit more about how she runs her membership site specifically, um, and also just get her thoughts on this important topic that we're all coming here today to discuss. So Kate, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, absolutely. And thank you for taking your time. Whenever I have a guest who has this idea of working less or doing less as a core part of their brand, I also I always feel so incredibly honored that mm-hmm. they took the time to actually do the interview with me. So just an extra special thank you for that. Thank you. So could you start out by just giving us a little bit of context? Tell us a little bit about your business, what your business does. I already hinted at the fact that you have a membership site, but tell me a little bit about the types of products that you sell and how you help people. Yeah. So really my mission is to support overachieving women to relax without sacrificing their results. And so, and to recover from being an overachiever, quite frankly. Um, But how I do that is I've got my book, Do Less. I also wrote a book called Money, A Love Story. Um, So, and, and then I have online courses. I have my membership, Origin Collective, which is, which you had mentioned, it's about a thousand women um, globally running their businesses while doing less with a very specific do less methodology um, that I created through trial and error. Um, And yeah, my husband and I run a podcast together called The Kate and Mike Show, where we talk about unconventional life and business. Yeah, I've actually been really enjoying listening to your podcast lately. I heard an episode where you were interviewing several different experts that I really respect. um, And I really appreciated hearing their different perspectives on some really relevant topics right now. And I was just really impressed with that episode, especially. So I would really recommend your podcast to anyone who's listening right now. You know, clearly, uh, if you're listening right now, you enjoy listening to podcasts on this topic. So checking out Kate's show would give you some additional listening that I would I would highly recommend. So, so you said that you have your books and you also have courses and you also have your membership. Would you be willing to give me kind of a breakdown of percentage wise, uh, which one or how each of them is impacting your business's revenue? Absolutely. So I also forgot to say that <laughs> I run two higher level programs. One is called the Origin Incubator and one's called the Origin Mastermind that are smaller group programs. Uh-huh. Um So collectively, there's like 29 women in there. Um, So Origin, our membership, makes up about 50, I would say 30 to 50% of our revenue on any given month. Um, The incubator and the mastermind, same. 
about, you know, kind of like 50, 30 to 50%, depending on the month, right? Because some months are bigger and therefore the percentage is lower. Um, though those, the amount is the same every month. And then our other courses, if we're in a launch month, will be will be higher. Like in February, we launched a course called Make Time for Business. Um, and that was, you know, that was a high high percentage of revenue that month, like 50%. And we had a twice as high revenue month at that time. But basically the origin membership and then the incubator and the mastermind are our meat and potatoes. They mm -hmm. are um, the engine of our business. And then I also have a do less planner. So that kind of adds some in and, you know, we do other little things here and there. Um, well, book royalties come occasionally, um, but mostly, <laughs> mostly it's the membership and the higher level programs. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. It also sounds a lot actually like how my revenue in my business is broken down because I also sell courses and sell a, a membership program um, and our revenue breaks down in a really similar way. So I can really relate to that. Um, can you tell me about how much you work right now since you are committed to, you know, to working less? What does that mean for you? And just in terms of numbers, what does that mean also? Well, right now is a little bit unusual. Is it okay mm -hmm. if I talk about the specific yeah, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, so we're in this shelter at home situation, and I have a two year old and a four and a half year old. So usually I have four day a week, full, like full four days of childcare. Um, and right mm -hmm. now I have none. So <laughs> right now I am working um, between three and five hours a day on weekdays. I am not working at all on weekends. Um, I usually don't anyway, but like right now, for whatever reason, I specifically have a very hard boundary on that. Um, I just need need more replenishment right now. Um, mm -hmm. So before that, I was usually working about 30 hours a week. I think right now I'm probably working closer to 20, um, maybe 15 to 20. Um, and, and that is really during this time, just doubling down on serving our existing customers. I'm not super focused on growth right now. Um, mm -hmm. That doesn't mean I won't be in a season of growth in the future, but I'm pretty clear that this particular season I'm in is about rooting down and taking care of what's already been planted. That is so smart and that makes so much sense. And I also am in a different phase with my business right now. And let me give the listeners just a tiny bit of context here. Um, when you're listening to this episode, it will be actually a few months from the time when Kate and I am recording it um, because right now I'm prepping for maternity leave. And so oh. I'm batch recording podcast episodes, um, which is a kind of maybe an unfortunate coincidence with the current time that we're in right now when we're in this with the shelter in place um, with the coronavirus going on right now. And so on the one hand, it's good because I have kind of more time. I'm at home all the time. Everything is canceled, um, but it means I'm working more and we're actually really focused on growth right now and setting things up for when I won't be at the office. So it's an interesting time. I think that what you're doing makes so much sense and really is so smart. Um, it's not the circumstance that I'm in right now, but I, un but what I can relate to is that we're both in like out of our normal routine with working, because um, I also don't have quite the same childcare situation that I normally have. And so I think that that's a really important part of this discussion about working less and really designing a business that works for you and supports your goals. Just like acknowledging the fact that, you know, seasons come and go and there are always circumstances that we have to deal with. Um, and so I hope that by the time people are listening to this, that things in the world have shifted a little bit and they're not dealing with the same circumstance that we're dealing with right now. Um, but, you know, there is always going to be those circumstances, whether their world circumstances or personal circumstances. And so I think that whatever circumstances people are dealing with at the time that they're listening to this, that they can relate to just this idea of having to build their business around those and figure out, you know, just ways to deal with them. Absolutely. Okay, so let's get back into talking about your business, Kate. So you've got your membership, you've got your courses and a few other things going on. You said you normally work about 30 hours per week. Could you give me a little bit more perspective here and tell me um, who else is maybe putting in some hours? What does your team look like and how much do they work? So that is currently in flux as well as the whole world is um <laughs> but uh right now our situation is my husband mike 
um, handles a lot of the logistics. So a lot of the tech things and making sure systems talk to each other. He's probably working right now about 15 hours a week. Um, and typically he would probably work closer to 20 um, to 30. We are in search of a replacement for somebody who will be kind of the overall integrator um, person to just hold the container. Currently, I am doing that at the same time as being the visionary. It's not mm -hmm. awesome. And it's not also my skill set. But here's what's so cool about it is I realize like with leaning into what's already working, and this is one of the main things that I teach is that we have to really look at what matters and what's already bringing in results. I think we can get so obsessed with this idea that new is always better and innovation is always better. And actually doing the thing that already worked is often better because it takes mm -hmm. a lot less time and energy, right? It's the same thing about customer retention. It's less costly and far less time intensive to have a repeat customer than it is to recruit a whole new customer, which is why a membership makes sense. I mean, there's so many mm -hmm. reasons a membership makes sense, but that's one of yeah. them. Um, and then we also have Takesha, who is our community manager, and she helps me with marketing. And she's just like an all around amazing woman. She works about 30 hours a week. Um, and then we have Todd, who's our designer, and he's working, I don't know, 20 to 30 hours a month. So not a ton. Um, we have Mary in the Philippines, who's our VA, and she's doing... Um, lots of different technical sort of admin things behind the scenes. And Julia does our copy editing, Matt does our podcast editing, but the rest of the folks, we have some freelancers who are, you know, kind of working a couple hours here and there depending on the week. But we are running with a skeleton crew right now. Okay. So I'm really curious to know more about you working as the visionary and the integrator right now. Um, this was a concept that I was first introduced to maybe about a year and a half or two years ago, and I immediately just jumped on it. I really just recognized the truth in it, the, the truth. And for anyone who's listening who maybe isn't as familiar with this concept, the idea that most people, especially most leaders, are stronger in either the visionary leadership aspects or more more of the, the tactical day-to-day um, -day management type of tasks and that most people don't excel at both of those things. And I just immediately realized that I am a very strong visionary and I really needed that integrator type support, someone to manage the day-to-day. -day. So tell me a little bit about you doing both, what that's looking like right now, um, the positives and the negatives, and especially just like anything that you like, positively are learning out of it or positive impacts it's having on your business to have you functioning in both of those roles actually. Well, I'm, I'm glad you phrased the question that way um, because it gives me a moment to reflect. And I will say the positive aspect of it, especially since it's temporary, is that I am seeing some ways where we had previously overcomplicated things. Mm -hmm. And so because there's not an extra layer of communication, it's just like idea to implementation or thing needed to be done, you know, then it's done. Um, it's just... We, we can't do nearly as many things, but what we are doing, I think is going pretty smoothly because there's not, um, there's no game of telephone mm -hmm. or, or far less, far less. Um, so that's been great. And I've, I've noticed some ways that we can simplify or improve upon our systems, whether it's our file storage or, you know, the way we set up tasks in teamwork or the way we run projects, you know, just like awesome, a lot of that minutia that can add friction unnecessarily if there are unnecessary steps. And I think mm -hmm. my whole thing with do less is that if we can do things, um, if we can get the same result in fewer steps, that's generally a good thing. And I have a tendency to overcomplicate things. So it's been great because I don't, we don't have the team power right now for anything complicated. So we have to reach for the do less strategy. It's like, what, mm -hmm. what is the minimum amount of things we need to do to get this done? Well, well, let's just do that because literally we can't do anything other than that. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's been good because it's made me have to be so much more vigilant um, and ruthless with my own philosophy. 
Um, and I would say the drawbacks are I'm not that organized. I'm not a linear thinker. <laughs> I, I, I suck at details. I'm like really big picture. And it actually makes, gives me physical discomfort to slow down and like figure out tasks in a project in, in our project management software. Like it's, it's like nails on a chalkboard to me. So that's good because it's clear that it's not my role. Not that I ever wondered, but it's not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that makes sense. And, you know, I think it would be equally terrible for me to be the, the integrator in my company long term because I am horrendous at consistently doing the chores of running a business. Um, I am such a visionary, always just charging forward to the, the new thing idea that I have. Um, and so my integrator, Courtney, is so key in my business just to make sure that we continue to like check off the boxes and do all the, the maintenance things that are required to run the business. So I'm incredibly grateful to her. But at the same time, I can really relate to what you're talking about with kind of that, that struggle that is building a team and playing a telephone, as you described it, um, because that's probably one of my biggest frustrations with a personal frustration with building a team and being a leader of a team is the inefficiencies that arise when you are communicating with people um, and you have an idea. And then when you're just a team of one, you have the, the, the process of going from idea to implementation can be, you know, a matter of minutes sometimes, but when you have a team, it can turn into days of talking back and forth, to try to communicate your idea and actually get it executed properly. Do you have any tips there about maybe especially kind of in, not in retrospect, but now having been able to step back and see some of those inefficiencies that were possibly happening when your team was a little bit bigger, have you had any insight as to maybe how to improve those things in the future? Yeah. So my overarching one is more philosophical, which is just sort of like the first time you sense that something is overcomplicated and that it could be done better. It could be. So fix it. Because the more it irritates you and the more you think, oh, maybe, maybe we're, you know, maybe that's unnecessary. Maybe we don't need an extra team member for this. Maybe we don't need that whole freaking process. Like you don't for the most part. And so nip it in the bud fast to get those hours back. Um, and then actual, what we found more tactically is like using things like loom videos to explain something is incredibly helpful as opposed to trying to do it in writing. There's something about like a, a verbal and seeing that's really helpful. So loom videos have been great. Um, a weekly team meeting. I mean, I think that that's fairly straightforward. We're all virtual. So, um, Yep. That's been great. Um, and I will say the other thing is to, for somebody like me and many visionaries will be like this, we have a tendency to want to just like vomit our idea and then move on to the next idea. But yes. that's, right. And I think it's part of our genius, but it's also a major, major, um, of, to our detriment. So mm -hmm. if we can slow down enough, to have the consideration to the person we're passing the baton to, to think through at least just like literally for five minutes to reread what you wrote or rethink the idea, map it out so that you have tried to poke holes in a few things at least to think, okay, well, what if this and what if that, you know, I think about in um, the four hour work week, Tim Ferriss's strategy for emails, instead of, instead of just sending a question you could send the question and then in the email say, if yes, blah, 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 blah. If no, blah, 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 because it prevents more emails. So thinking mm. through in terms of that, when you're presenting your idea or presenting this new strategy or whatever, think through, okay, what are the possible hurdling, stumbling blocks that, that may happen? What are the possible questions somebody may have? I mean, it's the same thing as like when you're writing a sales page, right? You want to be thinking about what are the questions and objections that my mm -hmm. ideal customer has. So your team is also your ideal customer in a different context. So be asking yourself, what are the questions and objections or challenges that they may have with this? And, and try to think through as many of them as possible ahead of time. It'll just save you time. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. That's a really good tip. I also just want to add that having a, a powerful integrator can be such a good business asset, but it also can be to your detriment if you are a very visionary leader, because I know personally, I make messes by coming up with all of the ideas um, and wanting to run with all of them. And then my integrator, she's so amazing. She puts them all into these neat, tidy boxes and organizes them all. And she builds these incredible systems. And we end up with a lot of very complex systems, very, very fast. Um, and so I love the idea of just like, you know, taking a minute to think through your ideas a little bit longer before you spit them out to yes. your team, whatever your team looks like, whether you have one VA or a whole team of people who are helping you. Um, you don't want to make more complications unnecessarily. Um, some great advice that I got from Pat Flynn last year was this, this kind of like quote or this phrase that is, what would this look like if this were simple? And so the idea is whenever you are planning a new something, you know, maybe it's a new um, a launch campaign that you're going to do, some sort of marketing campaign or hiring a new team member or, you know, anything, and you're making all these complex plans, taking a moment to just stop and reflect on what would the simplest version of this look like? Not because you're necessarily going to go with the simplest version, because maybe you want some of the advantages or the benefits that are going to come from some of the complexities that you could add, but thinking about it from what would the simplest version of it look like can really kind of give you, um, it's kind of like playing devil's advocate mm -hmm. and just like seeing an alternative way of, that you could do things and at least considering it. I love that. I wrote it down. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Startup Society. If you run an online business or you're thinking about starting one, then Startup Society is the place for you. It's a bootcamp training program for entrepreneurs, plus an incredibly supportive membership community. If you're looking for a framework to make building an online business as simple and straightforward as possible, then that's exactly what you'll find inside Startup Society. Every month, we create a step-by-step -step action plan for our members to follow to create a specific result in their business so that they can keep moving forward and growing. Past action plans have helped our members write their websites, launch online courses, and hire their first employees. And when you become a member, not only will you get access to our future action plans, but you'll also get access to our entire library of past action plans, including the ones that I just mentioned. You'll also get business coaching directly from me during our live monthly coaching sessions. During these sessions, you can ask any business questions that you have so that you can make sure that you get the answers you need in order to be able to keep moving forward and not get stuck. As a member, you'll also be invited into our membership community where you can connect with other online entrepreneurs who are crushing it so that you can be inspired and make some lasting connections. If you're interested in becoming a member of Startup Society, then there's no time like the present to make that happen. To sign up, just head to gillianperkins.com slash Startup Society. Again, that's gillianperkins.com slash Startup Society. And as a listener of this podcast, I have a special offer for you. You can become a member of Startup Society for $10 off every single month. Just use code EARNMORE when you are signing up. Again, that code is earn more, all one word, and it will give you $10 off your monthly membership cost. If you want to turn your online business into a success as quickly and as strategically as possible, then I would love to work with you to make that happen. And now let's get back to the episode. Okay, so we've talked a lot about kind of like dealing with our businesses in these strange times that we're in right now um, and dealing with current circumstances. Um, but let's take a step uh, to the side now and look at what our 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 general intentions for our businesses are. Um, and strategically, I want to hear about what has prompted you to make the strategic decisions that you have over the past few years with your business to be able to build this highly profitable business that you're running today while still working a minimal amount of time each week. So, I mean, the very short answer is motherhood <laughs> <laughs> was the circumstance. 
that caused me to change the way I do everything. Um, and, you know, I simply have more constraints on my time and I can't just let things lag on. Like when the girls come home, my day, my work day is over. Um, and so I think there's just such a beautiful uh, simplicity and elegance and, you know, essentialism, a la Greg McCowan, that comes mm-hmm. from pressure and limitation. You know, it really is the birthplace of ingenuity. And so I'm so grateful for, you know, all kinds of pressured circumstances in my life, like new motherhood, like becoming a mother, you know, for the second, well, not for a second time, but having a second, whatever that means, having a second baby. (laughs) And then I went through an experience last summer, uh, no, two summers ago where my husband got really sick. So I, we were sort of like one man down and I had a newborn and a toddler and um, and our whole company, and we had a much bigger team at that time and a much bigger overhead. Um, and so that was like another layer of, oh, really? Like, do you want to maybe simplify a little bit more? And and we did. And I'm so grateful. Uh, my husband and I um, went through profit first and like decreased our expenses in one month by $25,000 a month. And we quadrupled <laughs> our revenue you know, that year when we implemented it. So there are so, and we didn't grow. Well, we grew like by a hundred thousand, but we, it, we didn't grow like, it wasn't exponential by any, mm-hmm. like it wasn't, yeah. you know, all, all relative, right. It wasn't like, obviously a hundred grand is a lot of money, but everything's relative, right. To the size of your company. Um, and so I think that the, the answer is what were the circumstances? The circumstances were life handing me uh, moments of intensity and asking me, is there a better way you might want to be doing things? Because it seems like you're wasting a lot of time and energy. Okay, so let's get into that a little bit further. So the circumstance was motherhood, and you were, in a sense, dealing with that. I don't mean that in a negative way at all, but you were yeah. trying to figure out how I, to, how to work with, with that. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but you were trying to figure out how to deal with that, how to work your business around that. And so you made some strategic decisions in your business. You specifically mentioned that you use the profit first method to decrease your expenses and work on increasing your revenue. So tell me about what some of those specific strategic decisions were that you made. So, okay. So, so getting much more clear on our finances and the profit first model was huge. Um, Thank you to Amber Duggar and Mike Michalowicz for that. Then another one was um, starting a membership because I, before that, I, we were living launch to launch and, you know, we had sometimes multiple six figure launches, but we were still living launch to launch. And it would kind of be like the money would start running out <laughs> and then mm-hmm. we would need to launch again. And um, that was terrible. I felt like I was on this launch roller coaster and, and that did not feel good, especially because we did have a new baby at that time. And so we started a membership in March of 2017. um, And that turned out to be a really incredible um, strategic move to have the recurring revenue um, and not need to launch anything new in order to pay our expenses. And so that's been like deeply relaxing on a lot of levels. Plus I get to go deep and really build these relationships with the women in the membership, um, which is so personally fulfilling. And I get to watch them Mm -hmm. grow and, you know, be in a very different kind of relationship than I am with someone who takes an online course. And maybe we were on one live Q and a together. Right. But I don't like Mm -hmm. know them. Um, and I'm a people person, so I love to know them. And then I took that for a new, another strategic move to, um, to, uh, actually, replace some significant affiliate revenue that we decided to step a little bit away from as much as the affiliate stuff as we were doing. We decided Mm -hmm. strategically to step away from that because we wanted to be watering our own grass more Mm -hmm. instead of watering somebody else's grass. Um, Right. It's like great one-time revenue, but then, you know, you didn't grow your list. You grew somebody else's list. Mm -hmm. Um, So we made that choice and to make up some of that revenue. And also just because I was feeling called, we launched this incubator and we launched the mastermind. And that's been another, um, I can't really call it strategic as much as it felt like soul driven that I wanted to go even deeper with a small group Mm -hmm. of people, which I had never um, done since I ran my network marketing business in my early 20s. And I missed it. I missed the relationship (laughs) of like, I really know what's going on with someone's business. And I've become 
a much better teacher and a much better business owner from that more intimate relationship because I'm just seeing every day up close and personal how the different strategies and tips and philosophies are working in other businesses other than my own. Again, I can just so relate. I launched my membership program two years ago when I was seven months pregnant yep. with baby number three. Um, oh, so and you're pregnant with my baby number four? Yeah, I'm pregnant with baby number four now. <laughs> wow. And, and I had the strategic reason of wanting to create that recurring revenue in my business, but it has done so much for me personally to have this, like you were talking about this ongoing relationship with the members where I'm actually working with them month after month to build their businesses. And I've just, I've grown so much personally as a leader and as a teacher because of that in a way that I never was growing previously with just selling online courses where, as you mentioned, you have, a, you know, a single encounter with someone, you know, on maybe a live call or something like that, but you don't really get to know them and get to know their struggles and walk with them. And so I have found just so much personal and that like business leader development come from running my membership program. So yeah, I can just so relate to that. Um, something that a, a question that I get from my listeners a whole lot is uh, in regards to membership sites is about how to get your first members. And so I know what worked for me with my membership program, but I would love to hear both how you initially launched your membership program, as well as how you continue to um, drive new members signing up for the program. Great. So what I did initially is I did a founding member launch, um, or a, I called it a beta. I think I called it a beta launch. And I basically mm -hmm. made a video where I talked very casually about the general idea and was super honest about the fact that I wasn't a hundred percent sure what it was going to be, but I did know that this was the least expensive it was ever going to be. And at that <laughs> time it was $20 a month. And I was like, uh -huh. if you want to join, here's the, here's what we're going to be talking about. It was cycles and seasons and cyclical planning. And, you know, at, at the time my membership was much more focused on, uh, on, um, entrepreneurial mothers and since mm -hmm. then I have, I have broadened and I don't talk specifically about motherhood anymore. Um, although sometimes I obviously use motherhood examples. Um, and so <laughs> that video went out and I said, we have a hundred spots. Um, so, you know, first come first serve and you can pay 20 bucks now and you'll get, you'll be grandmothered in at the price mm -hmm. of 20, 20 bucks a month. Um, and so that worked. And so that's what we did. And I think at the time, I don't remember how big my email list was, but, um, you know. But you sold 100 spots, right? We sold 100 spots. So that was great. Yeah. Um, then we did our first public opening and we did like the whole thing, right? We did the, um, did I, I don't know that I did Facebook ads. I think I did not do Facebook ads, um, but I did do, you know, a whole series of videos leading up to mm -hmm. it. And then I did test, you know, case study videos. And then I did a three-part video workshop. And then I did a webinar. And, um, and we got 850 members in the first launch. Like it was bananas. It's to date that has been our biggest launch ever. Okay, yeah. And so you kind of were using like a variation of like product launch formula, it sounds yes. like for that. Okay. Yeah, and I learned and from what was your McLaren. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and what was your price point you launched at that point? We launched it at $30 a month. Okay. And do you have any memory about how big your email list was? No. No. Okay, <laughs> if I okay. had to guess, I want to say it was like maybe 30000 Okay. So. so, so significant, sizable, but not enormous. No, I've never been an enormous list person. I mean, maybe that'll happen someday, but we're doing great with a, you know. Yeah, well, it sounds like you're doing fantastic. I don't know so if you, you did would that call big it a medium, but medium small. I, I don't know how we how we judge these things no. or or rate ourselves, but yeah. you had people on your email list. Yeah. It was more than a few dozen. <laughs> For sure, yes. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I would never expect that of somebody coming out of the gate with no email list. Yeah, of course. Um, okay, so you launched at that point. How long after your beta launch was that? Only three months later. Okay. And we, oh, we only launched our beta. Okay. I, I forgot this key piece of information. We only invited people who were previous customers of ours to join the beta. Mm. So okay. they had mm. to have um, bought the money love course from us or one of our other programs or have bought B school through us. Okay. And what was your strategic reasoning there? 
Um, I, because the video was literally like, here's generally what I'm doing, but I'm not sure. Do you want to join? So I just thought that it would be better to invite people who already trusted us, who already spent money with us to do that rather than that makes sense. to the whole list and just being like, I don't know what I'm doing. Do you want to pay me? <laughs> okay. So you kind of just like, didn't want to go public with it. You wanted to keep yeah. it more private. And then I, was about, more I knew place. I was about to do this public launch ramp up. And so I didn't want to mm-hmm. mess with it by being public about the beta. Sure. Sure. That makes sense. Okay. And so between those two times, it sounds like your cart was closed essentially. Like people couldn't sign up. Yes. I do. A, I do a closed um, enrollment model. Okay. And so at this point now, having run the program for a couple of years, right? Um, what, uh, how frequently are you opening the doors? So like we usually do two public launches a year, but I will say I, uh, um, since that time I have never, I launched one more time like that, mm-hmm. all the things. Yeah. And since that time I have never done it with that many things again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I'm just really fascinated in like, I'm really, I mean, this is a, this is a philosophical piece, but I'm just really in a place of like, how much energy do I want to spend and how much is enough in terms of growth, Mm -hmm. you know, really asking the questions around. And I, you know, I, I think that we all need to be asking the questions around how much is enough in terms of our businesses, in terms of our revenue, in terms of our lifestyle and, and I, you know, it's kind of exciting to launch with all the things, but it's also exhausting and it doesn't feel very do less. So I'll tell you what I did last summer. I actually massively increased the price. Um, mm. So I increased it. The, the last time we had done enrollment was $37 and mm-hmm. I increased it to $97 a month. I also mm-hmm. made significant improvements to the membership. So it wasn't just like a random yeah. price increase. Um, <laughs> yeah. And what was so cool is we did a launch where instead of a video series, I did a four part email series that you had to opt in for because I just was like missing writing. And so I just thought, okay, well, what if I get to do the thing I want to do and make that the launch instead of getting on video and doing this whole thing, which like, I don't Mm want to do. And it was so great because, um, as compared to the most recent launch we had done, we made more revenue, but had fewer members join because Mm -hmm. of the price increase. And with somebody who's investing a higher uh, amount, there is that there's a higher commitment. So the quality of the conversations um, really improved and, and the depth we've been able to go. So it's been it's been awesome. But we still do offer scholarships because obviously not everyone can um, can pay that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so after launching, after doing your big launch a couple times, you had all those launch assets created. So why did you choose to 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 pivot. And it sounds like you didn't pivot right away as far as the content and all that went. Um, but so prior to that pivot, why did you not continue launching exactly how you had been just reusing the launch assets you'd already created? This is such a great question. And it's one I might ask myself several years ago. Because <laughs> I think, you know, the reason I wrote a book called Do Less is because I really have a tendency to do more. Like left to my own devices, I will do more things. I will. I wrote the book for myself and I have to keep mm-hmm. coming back to like, that's why I wrote that question down. Like, what would it be like if it was simple? Like, oh my God, I would reuse the launch assets. But I will tell you one thing. Um, <laughs> one thing we were noticing is that um, with sub- subsequent launches, our enrollment was going down. So we did like mm-hmm. 850 and then we did 650. And then I can't remember the next launch. I was like on maternity leave. I didn't even know my team was really launching. So that one was like, I don't know, 250 or something. And yep. I, you know, like that. Um, and so I changed the messaging because I was noticing that fewer and fewer people were enrolling and I was getting f- more and more women basically saying, I'm not joining cause I'm not a mother. And so, and I hadn't been doing significant enough list growth in between. I'm just being so transparent. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we uh, did shift our messaging so that um, it was not exclusively for mothers because I realized there was nothing in the membership that I said that was only applicable to mothers. And I Mm -hmm. never, like in the actual lessons and core content, I never, it was not about motherhood. It was about business. And so... 
we did not reuse all the launch assets because they talked about motherhood. And when I redid a whole video series and everything, all of that, I mean, this is just like real life business, right? Uh, we did it all professional, flew in the crew, did the whole thing. And quite frankly, I was in a place in my life where I was so strung out and so burned out that I just like, the videos don't have the energy. Like they just don't have the point of attraction. And that launch where once again, we we did now, see now I'm telling you about it. So I'm remembering we did again, the pre-launch runway, the Facebook ads, the mm-hmm. new three-part video series, the new mm-hmm. webinar. And I think we only got like 250 enrollments. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just like, it didn't, it, I think all doing all the things didn't work anymore. And so I was frustrated and I was exhausted. And my husband was like in bed all day because he was so sick. And I just said mm-hmm. enough. And so I've ne- I haven't yeah. gone back, but we've added in new layers each time to just be like, okay, well, would a webinar feel good this time? would, you know, like that. And that's been, Mm -hmm. that's been great. It's so easy to just like pile on all the tactics and all the strategy when really so much of your success is going to come down to your messaging and your energy in the lunch. Um, I know that I've had lunches where I did so little (laughs) and they were wildly successful and (laughs) other lunches, like, I mean, just the experience that you're talking about with doing a big launch and then doing it again and doing it again. I did exactly the same thing with my membership site and exactly the same thing happened each time I got something like 50% less people signing up. Um, and I was finally just like, I don't feel that good about this anymore because I've kind of like personally moved on with my messaging a little bit. You know, it's, it's developed a lot inside of the program. And also my, my heart isn't in this launch message this launch system anymore. And so I really had to regroup and try something different. Yeah. I think that's the answer, right? Is like, I mean, for me, it always comes down to authenticity and alignment. Does it Mm -hmm. feel right? And if I was really honest with myself, that last launch that we did with all the bells and whistles that like it worked, but it didn't work anywhere near where we thought it was going to, my heart wasn't in it. Mm -hmm. And I, as much as at least personally, I would love to just like take myself out of my business kind of and have it be this like perfect sterile, uh, uh, I don't know, experiment of sorts. Uh, The fact is that as a small business owner, our businesses are so closely tied to us that our energy and like where our heart is, is going to have a dramatic impact on the business. And we can't really deny that. Totally. So talk to me more about your current launch process and what that is looking like these days. It sounds like you're still launching every six months um, and you're using a simple email system. Um, what is that? I, I'd love to hear the specifics on that. Like what is that email sequence that people are opting into? What's the value you're promising out of that email sequence? And how are, are you writing new emails every time? Are you reusing the emails? Just all the details. Yeah. Amazing. So, um, the last time we did a public opening for origin was believe it or not, it was actually last July. So I'm super overdue for a public (laughs) launch because what ended up happening is I launched another course in, um, in February, January, February, when I had planned on launching origin, but I did this pivot because I had this other creative idea once again, Uh Like total visionary behavior. It worked, but you know, it really, it really worked. But I was, you know, sort of in this obsessed with creating something new. Um, Super proud of that course. However, I kind of missed the launch of Origin. So um, what we are, what I did with that four part email sequence though, is it was basically the promise was in these, it was only four because I just less, right? (laughs) People don't have a ton of time to read. Um, Yeah they, the promise was you will learn the steps and the whole methodology to access your, to learn how to access the fuel of your body to grow your business. Um, Mm. Sort of an unusual message, but it was something I was playing around with. And I was like, what's going to happen here? Um, And it was really great. Like people were excited about what, what? like, I'm going to use my body to grow my business. And that sounds like a little bit um, problematic, but you know, not in that way. (laughs) 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 So, um, so that's what we did. I haven't used it again, but now that I'm talking about it, like I should do that. Thank you so much for this call. (laughs) So I think I'll do that again. And, um, and, and this time we'll add Facebook ads and this Mm -hmm. time we'll add, you know, we'll add some, um, some cold traffic and, uh, because we didn't, we didn't do that last summer. We really Mm -hmm. like 20, 
2019 was such a year of stripping back. Like, is this necessary? Is this necessary? Do you really need this? And we found out, oh, nope, we didn't need all those things because we were we were four times as profitable. I mean, it was amazing mm-hmm. by doing so much less. I did no major launches in 2019. Well, I did launch a book, so that was a very major launch, but no major <laughs> online launches. Yeah. Um, and probably a major book launch was didn't significantly contribute to your profits. Uh, n- it knew. Okay. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I wouldn't. I didn't think so. <laughs> that wasn't my experience, but <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I'm super grateful for it for so many reasons. Um, mm-hmm, it does yeah. not pay my mortgage or my team. No. <laughs> so yeah. So so what we're going to be looking at though is really leaning into relationships with affiliates because we pay our affiliates fifty percent commission on the Mm -hmm. lifetime of the member who signs up. So we really see Mm -hmm. it as like, I run a membership, let it be your membership. And so Mm -hmm. we have people who came on board for our first affiliate launch in October of 2017. And we pay them every single month, significant amounts of money. And we're talking, this is three years later. That as Mm -hmm. a business owner feels so good to me. And so I'll be, I'm going to be leaning into my writing because that's my joy. And I'm going to be leaning into my relationships, which is also my joy. Could you tell me practically what that means to you, leaning into your relationships? Oh, yeah. Asking them to be affiliates and mm-hmm. and following up with all the people who over the years have said, can I please be an affiliate of origin? And I've mm-hmm. been like, um, yes, I'll let you know when we have that <laughs> happening again. Because we have done two affiliate launches, um, but we needed to regroup after a reorganization of our team. And then the other thing is I will absolutely be um, – tweaking the webinar that I did last summer. So I will be reusing that and just simplifying it a little bit. Was that a webinar that you used along with the four emails? It, yes, exactly. So opting into the email sequence invitation to the webinar. Okay. Okay. And so was the webinar to get people into the email sequence or it was at no. the end of the email sequence to sell the membership? That. Okay. Exactly. Okay. And how did the, what was the relationship between the content in the emails and the content on the webinar? Um, so the emails sort of gave more of the broad strokes, like more inspirational, philosophical. And then the webinar was like, okay, here's the three steps. And then of course the membership is here is the, the worksheets and all the lessons to support that and the community and the accountability and the coaching Mm -hmm. to actually implement, because the whole thing is we are doing a way of business that is, I mean, you're doing it too. It's, uh, it's against the stream of the culture. And so we really do yeah. need that accountability and community around that because no one else is doing it that way. And so if you do it hanging out there on your own, it's going to be harder than if you have a community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of the antithesis of like hustle culture, but it can be hard to find that like good medium of working hard and making things happen while not falling into the hustle culture. Because uh, on the other hand, we're not trying to be lazy here. We're not trying to, you know, just like throw down our goals. We still want to pursue those goals. We still have big ambitions. But so we have we really have to find those people and those systems that work for us to be able to have those big goals and achieve them while not working all the time. Yes. So we are almost out of time, but before we wrap this up, I would love to get your insights on actually, I think, what is the topic of those emails in order to be able to do all of this, to execute these strategies, as we were talking about, like it does require your energy. It requires having your heart in it. So I would love to hear what habits you practice to optimize your energy. I'm sure you practice quite a few different ones, but which ones really have the biggest impact? I love this. So I would say the number one is that I keep my phone plugged in at night downstairs and we have Mm. no phone in the bedroom policy. And I do not turn my phone on in the morning until I've been up for a couple of hours. Mm. Okay. I've heard different people talk about the idea of like keeping your phone out of your bedroom. And it's something that I've considered doing, but honestly, not something that I do right now. I have my phone next to me. It's my alarm clock. Um, So could you tell me what prompted you to make that decision? Like what problem did you see that made you think like, I shouldn't have my phone in my bedroom with me? So I think that I've never had my phone in my bedroom with me. Um, Oh, okay. Number one, I either sleep until I'm done sleeping or until one of my children wakes me up. So I, I, I have no need for an alarm clock. If I do have an early flight or something, um, I do plug in my phone in my bedroom, but I keep it on airplane mode. So mm. I will just say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I notice that if I'm at a hotel, for example, and my phone is by my bedside, 
and I wake up first thing in the morning, it is very difficult for me to resist the urge to turn my phone on and start checking my email and Instagram first thing in the morning. And that is not Mm. a powerful way to start my day. I want to start my day with myself, with my body, with my thoughts, with, you know, my spiritual practices, with mindfulness, um, with breathing. And I don't want to start with the world's input because so much of my work is about changing the culture. So I'm not going to infuse my day with the standard culture if, mm. I, if that's exactly what I'm trying to reinvent here. So mm-hmm. that's my big reason on the phone. Um, it also just like seriously, seriously saps your sleep quality. If the last thing you do before you go to bed is scrolling um, just yeah. with the, the blue spectrum light, it's, there's so much data it screws with your melatonin production and you just don't sleep while you feel hungover. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to become one of those weird people when I have calls late at night, I'm going to start wearing the yellow glasses. <laughs> so You know, they make really stylish ones thank now. Thank you, and I need new ones. Mine are look like very space agey. Oh, they're right here. And um, I'm going to wear them on a call tonight, though, because I do. I feel hungover if I wake up and I have been on a late screen something. So that sleep, obviously, super, super important. And then um, movement practices, like whether it's a dance class right now, I'm super into something called The Class, um, which is Mm. theclass.com. I stream those workouts every day. And just anything that puts me like in deeper touch, the way I access my intuition, my inner knowing um, is, is just like that gut instinct is through moving and just being in my body. And so anything that does that is just a top, top priority because I'm a better person and I'm a better business owner when I'm in that place. I can not, not say yes enough to that. (laughs) Do you have one more tip for managing our energy as business owners? Yes. When somebody asks you, do you have time to do this? Translate that question in your mind to, do I have the energy to do this? And that Mm. will be a much better answer to the question. Especially as a mom, right? (laughs) Okay, well, we need to wrap this up because we are running out of time here. I know you have places to be and people, well, maybe not places to be actually, but people to see, people to talk to, right? So um, before we do, can you just tell the listeners where they can go to connect with you further? Absolutely. KateNorthup.com. I have a do less weekly planning ritual guide over there that you can grab and at Kate Northrup on Instagram and then my podcast, The Kate and Mike Show. Okay, awesome. Well, we will be sure to link those in the show notes for today's episode. And I just want to say thank you again, Kate, so much for taking your time to be here on the show today and for everything that you have shared with us about membership sites, about managing our energy and about running our businesses while doing less. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Work Less, Earn More. Now, here's what I want you to do next. Take a screenshot of the episode you're listening to right now and share it out on your Instagram stories. And when you do that, make sure to tag me at Gilliam Z Perkins so that I can see that you're listening. Sharing on stories is going to help more people find this podcast so that they can learn how to work less, earn more, and take back their lives. And when you share, I want to add it to my stories so that you can get some exposure that way as well. And if you really love the show, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave it a review to give the show a boost. Every single week, I feature a review on the podcast, and I would love to give you and your business a shout out. So if you leave a review, it will help the show, but it can also help your business as well. Okay, let's wrap this up. I'm Ghislaine Perkins, and until next week, stay focused and take action.